Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host, Denise Messenger, for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Well, hello, listeners. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're going to have a really great show. We're going to be talking about how to reclaim your energy and to feel normal again. I think what happens a lot of times is we tend to adjust to what I might consider our new normal, and that isn't always the best normal to be in. Our guest is Dr. Carrie Drizga. She's known internationally as the functional medicine doc. She's the go-to expert on finding the root causes of health problems. And again, so you can feel normal again. She's a chiropractor, and she's also a doctor and the host of a popular podcast, The Functional Medicine Radio Show. Her book is called Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again, Fixing the Root Cause of Your Fatigue with Natural Treatments. So let's bring her onto our show now. Hello there, doctor. So glad you're joining us today. Your listeners. Great. We're really, really pleased that you're here. Your book, uh, Reclaiming Your Energy and Feeling Normal Again, Fixing the Root Cause of Your Fatigue, I imagine that probably um, is a culmination of many, many years in your business practice. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. (laughs) I've been in practice now 20-plus years, and and frankly, I don't know where the time has gone. It just, like, has flown right by. But what had prompted me to write the book is, I was having so many patients coming in and having problems with fatigue, feeling tired, feeling exhausted. And, you know, uh, most of the time these patients had already gone through the medical system, like they had seen their their family doctor and had gotten some blood work done. Maybe they had seen a specialist as well. And um, for the most part, they're they're kind of told, like, well, everything's normal. Mm-hmm. Maybe you're just working too hard and you need you know, a good vacation or maybe you're starting a burnout and you need to take three months of off of work or, you know, you're just a busy mom and that's just how it is for busy moms. Just get used to it. Or, um, you know, kind of like it's all in your head. Not that mm-hmm. they would say that, but, mm-hmm. but let's try some antidepressants and see if that helps. So oh. I was having all these patients coming in and, and of course they know that there's really something wrong. You know, it's not mm-hmm. all in their head. And and I, too, had a personal experience with fatigue when I decided to go uh, back to school. So at this point, I was 15 years in a practice. I decided to go back to school and get a naturopathic medicine degree. And that meant I had to move from Canada back to Chicago for two years. And I was in class 30 hours a week, um, morning, afternoon, and evening courses. And on top of that, you know, writing um, exams, writing papers, doing presentations, and then flying back and forth back to Canada to try and maintain my private practice. And frankly, I don't know how I did it all, but about six months in, I was diagnosed with a low thyroid. And I was just, you know, stressed to the max. Mm -hmm. And I knew that Mm -hmm. a lot of it was just stress. And I just thought, well, I'll just, you know, suck it up and and get through the program, and, you know, once I'm done, all I'll need is, you know, some time off to rest and recuperate, and, you know, things will be fine again, but the truth of the matter is that was a very, very naive thing to do because three months after graduating and passing my board exams, I was still sleeping 10 hours a night and taking a tour and a half every day, and my brain 
just didn't recover and I was just so tired. And then I turned the tables on myself and I started practicing functional medicine on myself, which technically as a doctor, you're not really supposed to treat yourself because you cannot be, you know, totally unbiased and objective about it. But I broke the rules on that and I I decided to, to treat myself and I got my energy back. And that was also part of the impetus to, to write the book was to share my story and the story of four other real patients from my private practice. And that fatigue is, is hard it's a puzzle. It's not like you just take one like magic herb or more one kind of a supplement and everything is, you know, rainbow and glitter again. It's it can be a complicated thing to try and figure out from a medical standpoint. It was good that you experimented on yourself. I would much pref- <laughs> I would much prefer to go to a physician that has tried certain things and actually succeeded with them. Yeah, yeah, I know I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah, thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> Why don't you explain to our listeners what is functional medicine? Okay, so that that's a great question because I think a lot of people are still not familiar with that term. So functional medicine is about looking at the patient as a whole. So everything really is connected and really understanding the intricacies of all of those connections, like the biochemistry of it all. Like we functional medicine doctors, we're real geeks. And I like to say, please don't laugh, laugh, have my pocket protector. But yeah, it's really understanding that the immune system is related to the gut and the gut is related to the hormones and hormones can impact your brain and can impact inflammation and on and on and on it goes. So every patient is unique. There's no one size fits all model for fatigue or for any real, you know, health complaint. And so in a nutshell, it's, I like to say, find the cause and then fix the cause and feel normal again. So fix the cause usually means, you know, after we've done some testing to figure out the, the, the underlying causes, it usually means doing things like diet changes, stress management, taking the right supplements or herbs, maybe even doing things like, um, um, exercise and, and breathing techniques. It's, a lot of this is not really rocket science, but it is about mm-hmm. trying to get the right thing done at the right time in the right order. I believe that nutrition is one of the most important factors, mm-hmm. and it's also the most difficult to change in a client. That is very true. So I'll tell you my story. So Great. I was, so here's another story about me. Um, okay. I like to try and be as transparent as possible that I, I'm a doctor and I actually have two degrees. So I'm a real overachiever that way, but I'm also a patient and I have my faults as well. So back in 2010, I actually attended a seminar, seminar by Dr. Tom O'Brien. And if any of your listeners uh, don't know about him, he is one of the leading experts in gluten and celiac disease. He is very well versed in all of the research underlying that condition. So back in 2010, I really had never heard about gluten intolerance or celiac disease. So I'm sitting in his seminar and he's listing off all of the different symptoms, health problems that can be associated with gluten. And in my mind, I'm doing like the checklist. I'm like, check, check. Yeah, I've got that. Check, check. Yeah, that runs in my family. Check, check. (laughs) And so by the time we got done with that seminar, I thought, holy cow, like I really need to get off of gluten. But to be quite honest, Denise, I was so afraid. Like just the thought of going gluten-free was very scary for me. And I know it's also very scary for a lot of people. Maybe it's going Mm -hmm. gluten-free or maybe it's cutting out sugar or stopping, uh, uh, coffee or you know something like that, but it honestly it took me five years to to work up the nerve to go gluten free, and that was really when my fatigue was at its worst. And I was like, okay, screw this. I'm I'm tired of feeling so tired. I'm just gonna do it. I'm just gonna try a gluten free diet. So for the listeners out there, here's what I do, and you can kind of modify it. So what I did was I I did some research and and I you know the internet just type in quick and easy gluten-free breakfast ideas quick and free easy 
you know, gluten-free smoothie mm-hmm. recipes, et cetera. So I just really worked on just breakfast. And I just worked on that one meal. Just a great and, idea. And to, a, to just achieve that change to be gluten-free. And it took two or three weeks. And, you know, figuring out, well, what do I need to buy? What do I need to change? What, I, what do I like? What tastes good? What's mm-hmm. easy for my lifestyle? What do I what need did to you have find? in my freezer? Go ahead. What did you find? that you enjoy the most? What I found what was easy at the time was just, and I don't recommend this, but what was easy at that that time was just switching from, because at the time I was eating, you know, toast with peanut butter every day, so I just switched to gluten-free bread, which actually gluten-free bread is worse for you. Oh, no. But but that's where you start, right? Mm. And uh, then switching over, lunch, you know, just working on that. And once you master that, and that might take a couple of weeks, and then working on dinner and then all the snacks. Mm-hmm. So like to just take it step by step by step, because that's yeah. more manageable than just trying to do it all at once, which is very overwhelming. And you're really just setting yourself up for failure. And and as you go through this journey, you'll learn what you like, what you don't like. And it's not about striving for perfection either. Because perfection is an unattainable goal. So I started with going mm-hmm. from regular bread to gluten-free bread, but now I've gone light years on top of that, too. And, you probably and don't I like need to say, bread, right? Yeah, I like to say every year, you know, I look back, okay, how am I doing this year compared to last year? Okay, I'm eating healthier. And so mm-hmm. it's a process. Mm-hmm. And so I, like you, Denise, I believe that food is your best medicine. It, it can be your your greatest poison too and figuring out the diet can be very tricky tricky Mm -hmm. and uh, intimidating Mm -hmm. I tried uh, vegan one one time and I just didn't feel good on it because Mm -hmm. I like my proteins with regard to to meats and chickens (laughs) chicken and meat and fish and (laughs) I just feel good on that I'm like you Denise I like protein also i've i've never tried vegan so kudos to you but -hmm. i've tried vegetarian like i'll try like a day of not eating meat and Mm -hmm. and being vegetarian and i just don't feel well and Mm -hmm. so so another thing that can impact people's energy levels is their blood sugar and this was Mm -hmm. very true for me and it's going to be very true for a lot of listeners so those of us that really like meat it's Mm -hmm. often because we tend to have low blood sugar or hypoglycemia Interesting. And so if you feel tired or if you if you um, eat a meal and that gives you energy, that's usually a sign that your blood sugar was too low to begin with. Mm-hmm. And uh, another um, key for the listeners, if you tend to wake up during the middle of the night, like if you have, quote, insomnia, you're waking up during the middle of the night and you have a hard time falling back to sleep or you wake up and your heart is racing, mm-hmm. that can often be your blood sugar has dropped too fast during the night and you've gone hypoglycemic during the middle of the night and your body responds to that by kicking out adrenaline to raise your blood sugar real fast, but the other effect of adrenaline is it's going to wake you up and race your heart. So, What's the remedy, so What's people, the remedy for that? Um a lot of times those people have to eat a high-protein, high-fat snack before they go to bed. Oh. And sometimes people have to eat like a whole meal, a high-protein meal, before they go to bed to sustain their blood sugar through the night. Interesting. And then the other part of blood sugar, so sometimes people have low blood sugar. That's the case for me. Um, other people, they have blood sugar that will run too high. So that's more like insulin resistance, maybe even prediabetes. The blood sugar that runs too high, what that's going to feel like is after you eat your meal, instead of feeling energized like you would if you had hypoglycemia, after you eat your meal, if you feel tired, like you could just take a nap on the couch, or if you feel like you need something sweet after after your meal, like a piece of chocolate, maybe you want to reach for a piece of fruit, you know, as a healthier option for dessert. So 
if you're craving something sweet or if you feel like you're tired and need a nap, that's because your blood sugar is running too high and usually because you ate too many carbs during that meal. And then when if we piggyback this with the sleep thing again, so with low blood sugar, these patients will tend to wake up during the middle of the night. And with high blood sugar, these patients will have a hard time falling asleep. Interesting. So, so with patients that have fatigue, one of the, of course, key things that we want to know is how are you sleeping at night? Because if you're not getting enough good sleep, of course, that's going to impact your energy. But that could go back to your diet and your blood sugar. So this kind of gives you and your listeners an idea that, yeah, yeah, it really is connected. And it can be a mm-hmm. puzzle to figure out. It, it, yeah, it really can. I imagine there's some people that experience both high and low blood sugar. Yes, and they um, can, these can be really tricky cases. A lot of patients, they're like on our roller coaster. Mm-hmm. And they can be really tricky. So what I just recommend is when you eat a meal, after you're done eating, just take a moment, check in with yourself, and just say, how do I feel? Do I feel more energized? Does my brain feel more awake? That means you waited too long to eat. Your blood sugar was too low. And if you feel tired or craving sweets, that means you ate too many carbs during that meal. So you just make changes along the way. Well, having that knowledge definitely does help. Yes. What have you found are the most common nutrient deficiencies that you see in your patients? So that's another great great question. So when it comes to fatigue patients, one of the things that I look at, of course, is uh, B12. And the interesting thing about B12 is on the laboratory reference range or the normal range is a very broad, broad range. And when you look at that range, most patients are in the normal range, but they're on the low end of the normal range. And I'd like to see a B12 at around 600 or more in order to have a patient have really good energy and enough B12 getting into their nervous system. So B12 is one of the nutrients that I absolutely look for. And then another one would be magnesium. Now, the tricky thing about magnesium is I think the experts estimate that upwards of 85% of the population is deficient in magnesium. Mm-hmm. except we don't have a really great way to measure that in a blood test. Um, a serum magnesium test would have to, like you would have to be very unhealthy. You would probably mm-hmm. be in the in the hospital, maybe even in the ICU, in order for your blood magnesium to be abnormal. So your body will do whatever it takes to keep your blood magnesium normal. So it's not a great way to, to assess your magnesium status, but... Magnesium is a required mineral in in order for your body to make energy at a cellular level. So when we look at cells, Mm -hmm. inside of the cells, there's a tiny little organ called the mitochondria. And it's the job of mitochondria to make energy. So if we use the analogy of a car, you put gasoline in your car, and somewhere in the engine it gets combusted and converted into power. And that makes, you know, gives, gives um, the car its go, you know, when you press on the gas. Sure. So in your body, in every single cell of your body, we have the mitochondria, which are like the tiny little engines. So you eat food, and food gets digested and absorbed in your bloodstream, and that has to travel into the mitochondria, usually in the form of glucose, glucose, amino acids, sometimes the triglycerides, which are digested fats. And those uh, foodstuffs then get broken down and converted into pure energy or ATP by the mitochondria. And that whole process requires many different nutrients, but it's very dependent on magnesium. So I usually have patients supplement with magnesium. And uh, magnesium is also one of these supplements that if you are taking too much, because that's often one of these the things that people wonder about is, can I take too much? Of course you can. Yes, you can. (laughs) And uh, one of the things you'll notice if you're on too much magnesium is you'll have diarrhea. That's right. 
And so I usually have patients just take one more capsule every day until their bowel movements become a little bit soft, and then they just stay at that dose. And whatever okay. dose that is, is the dose that they need to replete their body of magnesium. So those are yeah. two of their, the very common nutrient deficiencies that I see with fatigue. Well, magnesium, from what I understand, I've seen different statistics on it, anywhere from 300 to 600 different bodily functions. It's responsible for helping to regulate. That's mm-hmm. a lot. Yeah, that, yeah. That's a I, big I know deal. it was. I've heard the same thing, like 350 plus, yeah, body functions. Your, mm-hmm. your body requires a lot of magnesium. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. And it's not in our food. That's the problem. Yeah, you're right. Because of our our propensity for factory farming. Mhm. Mm-hmm. We've uh we've depleted our soils of magnesium. So, you know, pa- patients wonder, well, can I just get enough magnesium for my diet? And it's like, no. No. <laughs> no, not not unless you Sorry really switch that. to an organic, like locally grown eating seasonally kind of a diet, which is very unrealistic for most people. Yeah, it's really tough. Really, really tough. How can um, poor digestive health um, affect our bodies and fatigue? So there's a lot in that one question. So, from a purely digestive perspective, if you're noticing when you eat food that it kind of just kind of sits in your stomach for a long time, like it just sits there, or you feel like bloated or gassy or heartburn, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. these are all symptoms that there's something wrong. Like a lot of a lot of people think these oh, that's just normal. That's just normal for me. I eat. I get bloated up, and i got to run to the bathroom. And I'm like, no, that's not normal. It might be common, but that's not normal. So these these symptoms are are a, a sign that there's something more going on. And when we think about, you know, if we're, if we're fundamentally not digesting and absorbing our food, you know, adequately, we're not even giving our body the raw materials – that it needs to work properly. So from a from a very simple perspective, I also do this a lot with patients too, is just stomach acid. Like is the patient making strong enough stomach acid? So the, the job of your stomach acid is really twofold. One is to digest mainly your protein. It's not really digesting fat or carbs or, you know, simple carbs, complex carbs, fiber, sugar. It's really stomach acid, hydrochloric acid is to digest protein. And the other thing stomach acid is really meant to do is pretty much sterilize your food as it's coming through. You know, so you don't get violently ill. So if if your stomach is not making adequate amounts of acid, you probably will get that feeling of the food is just kind of sitting there. You'll feel bloated gassy within an hour of eating you may or may not have heartburn but you'll have those classic signs of indigestion and so if we think about just protein just that one food stuff if protein when it gets digested properly gets broken down into amino acids in amino acids we are required for many different things but particularly for good brain health for good brain chemistry we need these amino acids to make all the neurotransmitters, serotonin, dopamine, acetylcholine, uh, GABA. And so sometimes patients that have problems with fatigue is because they're not digesting well. They get low in these amino acids. It starts affecting their serotonin levels. Their serotonin levels drop, and they feel tired. They feel tired, especially it's worse on cloudy days. Maybe they are bordering on depression. Mm. They've lost a joy for life. They've lost a joy for the things that they used to love to do. That is very commonly a serotonin deficiency, but the problem is why is that happening? Where is that coming from? So in functional medicine, we're always asking that question, why? Why is that happening in order to get to the root cause? 
I think another uh, important thing for us to talk about is the thyroid. Mm-hmm. Where should we start, Denise? <laughs> well, yeah, the thyroid, um, a lot of the people have low, low thyroid now. A lot mm-hmm. of people. They, they don't even know it. They just feel exhausted or their, you know, their hair is getting thin or their skin's really dry or they're gaining lots of weight or, you know, they don't have good memory. I mean, it just goes, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right. Thyroid is a, is a big issue. It's, it's one of the most common prescriptions out there. I think it's number one or number two is Synthroid, which is the most commonly prescribed medication for thyroid. Excuse me. And uh, like we were talking about before with B12, like the lab, the normal reference range on the lab is a very broad range. It's also the same for the thyroid that the experts out there are are recommending uh, ideally the thyroid hormone, the TSH, be at a 2.0 or lower in order for really ideal thyroid function. And if you're on the higher end of the, quote, normal range, from a medical perspective, you're still normal, although you, you probably have all of the symptoms of a low thyroid. And then on top of that, a lot of patients who are outside the normal range and have a low thyroid are often told, well, and and I was told this by my family doctor, well, you know, we don't really treat that until your numbers get into the double digits. And I looked at my family doctor and I said, (laughs) what? Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. You know, normally we don't, normally we don't treat that unless it gets into the double digits, you know, unless, unless you're having problems. And I looked at her and I said, you didn't even ask me if I was having problems. You know, <laughs> so it, it's it's no fault of theirs. You know, that's like the system is set up for failure mm-hmm. when you have a, a seven minute appointment with a family doctor. And so, yeah, a lot of patients are walking around with thyroid issues and and they don't know it. And a lot of patients who know they have thyroid problems, they're still, I think, uh, a lot of times being under-medicated. So their thyroid is still not working ideally. And on top of that, there's nutrients to, to help the medication work better and the thyroid work better. The big three are zinc and selenium and vitamin A in order to help your 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 thyroid hormones, the T4, get made into the, the T3, which is the most active of the thyroid hormones. So there's a lot we could talk about just with the thyroid, but you I are know. right. A lot of I people know. have thyroid problems. They have the classic, classic symptoms. And if you're being told, no, everything's normal, I think you should just find a, a new doctor. Mm-hmm. No, it's, it's really good advice. Really good advice. What's vitamin R? I don't think many of our listeners know what that is. So vitamin R is a little-known vitamin, and it doesn't seem many um, many professionals talk about. So I like to say vitamin R is rest, relaxation, and recreation. Oh. <laughs> That's great. Uh, you can't get too much of it is what I You can't overdose on that one. Rest, relaxation, recreation. So I think, oh. and I've been I've been at fault with this too. Like I said at the outset, I'm not perfect from a from a you know pers- patient perspective. Mm-hmm. That um, I think in North America we we really strive for lofty goals and we work hard, mm-hmm. and we've really gotten off balance with work and family and loved ones and just me time, right? Just having just time alone by ourselves. And for all those other high achievers out there, I like to say it's okay to to take time off, like doctor's orders, give yourself downtime, take a day off and just do nothing. 
or just do something that you love to do. Put a puzzle together, learn how to paint, or go to one of these, you know, painting courses. Take the dog for a walk and just, you know, don't listen to something in your ears. Just listen to nature mm-hmm. and and just find something that you love. Find what you love to do. And I think so many people are, have just gotten so off balance and, and out of touch that they don't even know what that is anymore. So it, that in and of itself is a journey, but to say that we all need more rest, relaxation, and recreation in our lives. If your last oh. vacation was five years ago, you need to somehow take a vacation. Yeah, you really do. You need to get recharged. Yeah, we all need to re- recharge, and maybe that's just taking a 24-hour staycation at home where you turn off the computer, you turn off your cell phone, you turn off all the electronic devices, and maybe you just read a trashy fiction novel. That's okay, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's that's great. I like that. What do you do for your pa- patients that, that uh, want to lose weight? So for my and patients... And, and that, obviously they've had a tough time doing it on their own. Yeah, so usually by the time a patient comes to see me, What's so funny is that they, the research is showing the, the average patient that sees a functional medicine doctor, they have at least six diagnoses and at least 30 different symptoms. Mm. So by the time somebody gets into my office, they've usually gone the gamut. And when it comes to weight loss, they're usually, they've usually done all of the, like, the, the right exercise. You know, they're working with a personal trainer. They're in the gym four, five, six days a week. They're, you know, they're exercising harder and harder. They're lifting weights. They're doing the cardio. And then from a diet perspective, they're, they're watching their calories. They're eating a low, they're, you know, not overeating when it comes to uh, calories. They're probably doing a paleo diet. Um, So they're doing all the right things and yet, they're still not losing weight. And, and these are really tough, tough uh, cases going on. So some of what I do is, at the, well, first at the outset, I say your body won't let the weight go until we get you healthy again. Interesting. So what that means is usually we have to see, okay, is there a problem with the blood sugar? Mm-hmm. Are they hypoglycemic? Are they hyperglycemic are they on a blood sugar roller coaster is there an underlying thyroid problem going on is there any other kind of hormone imbalance going on like with the sex hormones with progesterone estrogen Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. for men testosterone so kind of look at that like hormonal perspective and and the big hormone that a lot of people are talking about now is cortisol and cortisol being related to chronic uh, stress and so we look at the hormones, and then another big thing I look at is digestive health. So, uh, again, going back to simple digestion and absorption, is there something wrong there? Is that mm-hmm. person just not digesting and absorbing properly, and so their body is almost like it thinks it's in starvation mode? Mm. Or is there an underlying gut infection going on? Like, is there an underlying parasite, yeast overgrowth, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, or SIBO? <laughs> There's so many things. Okay, is there an infection there that we need to get rid of in order to bring inflammation down? And then from a diet perspective, sometimes people think they're eating all the right foods, and yet these foods are just fueling inflammation in their body. So I wrote about this in the book. There, there's a great book out there called The Plan by Lynn Janae Resitas, and she talks about going through a three-week program to try and figure out what foods are your friends and what foods are your enemies. And I've had many people do this. So it's like an elimination diet, and you also weigh yourself every day as an objective measure. So when you add a new food, so there's a very set uh, uh, program of what you eat, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and snacks, and then every other day you add in a new food. And if your weight goes up, it's because that food triggered inflammation. It doesn't mm-hmm. like you. 
you're not meant to eat that food. It triggers inflammation, and and really that food is your enemy. And uh, so I've had many patients go through this program, and the majority of the time they lose weight going through the program. But more important than that is they figure out what foods just are not not you know suited for them. And and for some patients it's been actually for a lot of patients, I find they don't do well on almonds. And and so many people right now, they're eating almond butter and drinking almond milk and eating a handful of almonds as a snack. And they're doing paleo, they do almond flour, and they think they're doing the right thing, but almonds is triggering inflammation and is not allowing them to lose weight. I've had the same thing with oatmeal. Like people think oatmeal is really great. No, oatmeal for a lot of people doesn't work. I've actually How had... How find out if, if they have... Issues with those two. So again, it it would be going through this process of an elimination diet. Oh, okay. So eating eating a very clean diet for a period of time, and then adding foods back one by one, and watching okay. your symptoms, but also watching your weight. So, this book by Lynn Janae Reseda is called The Plan. Has it all mapped out. And uh, and and another thing that I have found was um, coconut. I've had co- I, I had one patient who had chronic abdominal pain on a daily basis for four years. She had every test done to test, you know, ultrasounds, mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. at her uterus, her ovaries, her intestines, her stomach, everything, scoped up, scoped down. <laughs> the poor woman. Oh, abdominal pain tough. every day for four years. So we oh. were working together, and we Jeez. got to the point where I said, we need to figure out what, you know, what foods are your friends and what foods are your enemies. So read this book. Tell me if, if you're game to do the plan. And if so, then just, you know, get started on it, and then we'll meet back in like six weeks and then tell me what you find. So she comes back and she says, oh, my God, Dr. Carey, I found out that I'm I'm sensitive to coconut. And I said, really? Wow, that's like that's really kind of strange because, you know, coconut's supposed to be such a health food. Well, for her, mm-hmm. coconut coconut was triggering her pain, and she didn't know that. She just thought, well, coconut's a healthy thing, mm-hmm. so she's cooking with coconut oil, mm-hmm. and she's drinking coconut water, <laughs> and she has, you know, occasional coconut milk, you know, and, and coconut oh my flour. But you don't know. Like, even the, mm-hmm. quote, healthy foods might be bad for you, so... Mm-hmm. Once she figured that out, so it was coconut and white wine and uh, also salt were the big three that she found were her food enemies. And once she stopped eating those things, her pain was totally gone, like practically overnight. It was amazing. Boy, and that's so really sad, suffering who, all those years. Yeah, so with, with patients lose, who want to lose weight or who are tired or who have any other health issue going on like there mm-hmm. is a reason mm-hmm. that it's happening it's not always easy I, I should just say it's never easy you know to to really figure it out on your own it's a whole process and you might be eating you know you you think you might be eating all the right things but it, they could be all the ro- all the wrong things for you for your body what what do you do for patients that you suspect have chronic infection? How do you find out? Because it, if it's hidden, uh, yeah. you know, how, how do you find it? So when I say chronic hidden infections, I mean they've gone to their family doctor, they've had tests done, usually an endoscopy, a colonoscopy, mm. everything looks normal. They've done biopsies, everything is normal. They've done maybe a stool ONP, which is stool ova and parasite, or a stool culture. That comes back as normal, and then they end up in my office. So mm-hmm. so finding infections is very tricky, and there's not like one there's not like one great test that's going to test for everything. Oh, so yeah. they're they're hiding. So there's um, if we start from the top down, if we start in the stomach. The, the usual culprit is uh, a bacteria called Helicobacter pylori or H. pylori, and that can be found with a breath test called a urea breath test, which is available through any 
standard lab. And the other is a, a stool test called uh, an H. pylori stool antigen test. So we might do one or both of those tests if I'm suspicious of that. And then from the stomach, we go down into the small intestine. And the, the thing with the small intestine is bacteria can overgrow in the small intestine. Normally, there should be no bacteria in the small intestine. But there is this problem called SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, where you could have per perfectly good bacteria just in a wrong place in your body, creating problems. So there can be too much bacteria in the small intestine. And to test for SIBO, that's a breath test. It's called a hydrogen breath test or a SIBO breath test. That's usually done through a specialty lab. And then from the small intestine going down to the large intestine, that, that's when you would be looking at a stool test. So a stool test that requires three mm -hmm. or more stool samples, usually done by a specialty lab, not the local medical lab, but a specialty mm -hmm. lab, mm -hmm. looking for parasites, yeast, bacteria, measuring your probiotics. If all of those tests come back normal, then I might consider a blood test that's done by Cyrex Labs, and this is their Array 12, and it's looking for uh, an immune response, an IgG immune response to many different pathogens. So on their panel, they're testing bacteria, viruses, yeast, mold, mm. parasites, um, let's see here, mycoplasma, chlamydia, uh, Lyme and the Lyme co-infections. So it's a massive panel that that gets run. And then IgG response is not an acute infection. That's actually a chronic low-grade infection. Hmm. Interesting. So those are just a few of the ways to try and test for infection. So it's it again, it's really tricky. Mm -hmm. And sometimes mm -hmm. the patient's symptoms will lead me into a certain direction. And for some patients, we've had to do all of those tests to figure it out. Wow. It takes a lot of time and effort. It does take, yeah, it takes time, you know, it, financially, you know, it, it takes uh, uh, money too and mm -hmm. time. And, and for the listeners out there to understand that, it's, it can sometimes feel like, we're looking for a needle in a haystack, you know? Mm -hmm. And and it can get very daunting when these tests come back as normal, as normal, as normal, and the patient is like, maybe I really do have, maybe it really is all in my head. And I'm like, no, no, it's not. We just, like, it's there. Mm -hmm. We just have to figure it out. And it just takes time. So for the listeners out there that are really suffering, and maybe not just from fatigue, but from other any other health issue, to, to know that, it takes time, and and it's also about working with a really great doctor. So yes, it is. So th that's part of it too. Is every doctor knows their wheelhouse, what they're great at, where their weaknesses are, mm -hmm. and learning about health and wellness. It's it's a continual journey. Well, Doctor Driska, what are your thoughts about chronic inflammation? Because all the areas that we've talked about today can create that. And I'm wondering, do you go to the root cause and then that remedies the chronic inflammation or do you treat it differently? Oh, so, so that's a great question. So it kind of depends on the patient. So we're, I would say we're always looking to find the root cause of the inflammation, whether mm -hmm. it's coming from an infection whether it's coming from a hormone imbalance, whether it's coming from a bad diet or eating foods that you're sensitive to, we're always trying to find the root cause of the inflammation and treat that. Otherwise, it's really just Band-Aid medicine. Mm -hmm. And no mm -hmm. functional medicine doctor really wants to practice Band-Aid medicine, I can tell you that. But <laughs> sometimes patients come in and we know they are so inflamed that and there's like so much gasoline on the fire that you have to mechanically get the inflammation down in order to see a clearer picture too. So sometimes and, and so sometimes we'll use 
there's many different anti-inflammatory nutrients out there. So the big ones with the most research are fish oil. Mm -hmm. And fish Mm -hmm. oil has two ingredients, EPA and DHA. So when you look Mm -hmm. at your bottle on the label, it says that EPA and DHA. High EPA fish oil is usually what I'll use in high doses, sometimes one teaspoon twice a day or three times a day for a short period of time, maybe a month. Another highly researched um, anti-inflammatory nutrient is uh, turmeric or curcumin. Mm-hmm. And again, that's one of those you can get it as a food source. You'd have to eat a lot of it. Mm-hmm. You can also get it as a concentrated supplement and take. Uh, I've had patients take maybe four capsules three to four times a day. Again, for a short period of time, maybe a month, to really just drive the inflammation inflammation levels down. And then the third mm-hmm. one that is also highly researched as a powerful anti-inflammatory is resveratrol. And now oh, okay. we don't get resveratrol from drinking a lot of red wine. We get no. it from supplements. <laughs> so, I can so just see it. No listeners, no, 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 no. Don't go drinking a lot of red wine thinking you're going to get your inflammation down. <laughs> so, yeah, although red wine is a source of resveratrol, really, sure. the ideal source of resveratrol is a herb called Japanese knotweed. Where they, that's where they get the concentrated resveratrol. And, again, I, I'll have patients take, like, four capsules three to four times a day. They might feel like it's they're, like, just eating capsules every day for a month. But <laughs> sometimes... Patients are so inflamed that that's what we have to do in order to get a to to get a clearer picture, mm-hmm. and in order to figure out what the next steps are going to be. But we're, we always want to get to the root cause. That's always well, the goal. That's, that's great information. We're going to be running out of time. We have a couple of minutes left. Is there something else that you would like to add that we perhaps didn't get to today? And then please tell our listeners about your book, where they can purchase it, how they can reach you, and your website. Let's see here. We covered a lot today, Denise. (laughs) And uh, is there anything that we haven't covered? (laughs) I think we've covered just about everything. Oh, I would say the one thing. For any patient or any listener out there with fatigue, uh, at the top of the list, you really do need to have some basic blood work done to make sure that you don't have an obvious thyroid problem or anemia. So that's the one thing that we didn't talk about was anemia. Mm-hmm, so these mm-hmm. two things, checking for anemia and checking for an overthyroid problem, these are always at the top of the list when it comes to fatigue. So if you've not even had some basic blood work to look at that, that's exactly where you need to get started. Because if one of those two things are the problem, there's a very easy, easily remedied solution to that. Rather Good than going down the rabbit hood, rather than mm-hmm. going down the rabbit hole of everything that mm-hmm. we've talked about today, mm-hmm. we always want to make sure those two things are checked first. Very good information, Dr. Drizga. Really good. So how can um, they purchase your book and your website address? How can they oh, okay. you? So my book, again, is Reclaim Your Energy and Feel Normal Again, Fixing the Root Cause of Your Fatigue with Natural Treatments. It's available on Amazon in uh, paperback and Kindle forms. And then uh, my website I have a couple of websites. Uh, so, actually, I think I have four websites at this point. So, my home base, I would say the best website to find me would be at drcarrie.com, and that's spelled D R C A R R I.com. That's really my home base. That's where you can find my podcast, which is called the Functional Medicine Radio Show. And, of course, my um, my articles, some videos, and, of course, that's where you can also uh, link, find a link to the book as well. Wonderful. Well, I'm very impressed. You really know your stuff, and you're doing Thank a great you, service for your clients. Thank you. Appreciate you coming on our show. I enjoyed our, our chat. I really did. I appreciate being on your show, and uh, I, I love helping to, to spread the message about functional medicine and, and help people out there just have more hope that they're 
there is uh, help out there for them. Wonderful. Thank you again. Hopefully you'll come back one, one of these uh, days. Anytime you want me back on, Denise, it would be my pleasure. Okay, great. Well, thank you again, and take care. Bye-bye. You too. All right, listeners, that wraps up our show for today. Um, please join us again next Wednesday for another informational show with another really great and informed guest. And until then, be well. Bye-bye for now. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have. And follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit Got Cancer Now What? for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? The entire contents of this radio show are based upon the opinions of Denise and her guest. The information is not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional and is not intended as medical advice. We're sharing knowledge and information and the experience of Denise and her community. We encourage you to make your own healthcare decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified healthcare professional of your choice. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration.